I'm excited to be here tonight speaking, uh, speaking to you, and, and I'm so glad. Hey, and I, my encouragement is continue those conversations after church, you know. I know some of you have to go pick up your kids uh, uh, from, uh, from the kids' uh, children's ministry, uh, but continue those conversations. It's, it, it, church was never supposed to be a come and leave uh, event. It was supposed to be a family, and, uh, and, and so this is just our family gathering, uh, this is a big family gathering, but uh, nonetheless, uh, I'm excited to come and talk to you. Uh, my name is uh, Jake. I'm the youth and young adult pastor here at Resurrection Life Church, and uh, what I tell everyone is I have the best job in the world, and uh, it has its highs and lows, but it's amazing. I'm so honored to serve the young people um, of, our, of our community and of our church. Uh, what, I, what I like to do to start is just kind of celebrate some of the things that, that are happening in the, in, the, in the young adults and in the youth ministry. I want to uh, share... Uh, about an event that our students are actually planning uh, right now at, at Hudsonville High School. And so we have a, some students uh, that are actually, one second, I'm trying to find the name. What is it called, Landry? It's called Enlighten. And uh, so some of our students had an idea. It's really one of the students that come to our youth group. And he had an idea about hosting an event with his peers to encourage and inspire uh, high school students to start praying for their schools. And so it was, it was like this event that he wanted it to hit all the schools in Grand Rapids and encourage them to come and to pray and worship together and then inspire them to start these prayer groups. And so he had this idea and it was last like September and he hit some roadblocks. And, uh, and this young man named Cam, I'm super proud of him. He, he persevered, persevered, persevered and finally found the location to host this enlightened event. It's taking place on May... 19. It's taking place May 19, where all different schools are going to send representatives to worship together from public schools in order to encourage prayer groups for the following school year. And so uh, we have, uh, I mean, we probably have, we probably have close to 15 of our, of our high school students that are involved in it. And so we're just super proud of them being leaders and being world changers in their world. So they're so awesome. And then from our young adult group, I want to share uh, we, have some, we have some young people, some of them are in the room tonight, who are just crazy, bold followers of Jesus. And uh, they've, been, they've started a group, it's a small group, it's not a huge group, small group, where they go out every Monday night and they go to the mall and they pray for people. And so they go to the mall and they're, and they're praying for healing, they're, they're, leading, they're, they're pre- presenting the gospel to people that would never, pre- they would never hear the gospel. Uh, people going into shops like Spencer's, you know, like pretty like weird and dark place. And, uh, and in other, sto- other shops in the mall that, that really just need the light of Jesus. And we have a philosophy you know, with our young people is that we can never expect people to come to us. We can never expect people that they're going to want to come to church because so many people have negative experiences with church people. And so our, one of our missions is to change the narrative around Christ followers. And the way that we do that is not by staying in here, it's by getting out there. And so I just want to celebrate that group. Uh, they're leaders in presenting and, and, and leading people to the love and the saving power of Jesus Christ. And so they are amazing. And I think, Carly, you, went, you, you sometimes go to the group, Alon, Alon's, and, and they go to the group. So just super proud of them. Um, tonight, uh, I want to share with you uh, a message. Uh, I, I spoke a little bit about this in our, in our youth group. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get the youth group talk. This is, listen, sometimes the simple things in life are the things we need to hear most often. And so uh, it's entitled, Find the Gold. 
So we have, a, we have, a, we have an expression in our, in our youth and young adult, which is find the gold. And I want to share a little bit about that in the significance of finding the gold. Finding the gold. Who, uh, who, who's on social media? Facebook, Snapchat, right? Instagram, TikTok. No. All the, old, all the older people are like, what's TikTok? What the heck is TikTok? <laughs> um, so you're on social media. And if you're on, to, who follows politics? Come on. Like, everyone, I'm like, oh my gosh, the election's going to be here. Oh my gosh, Lord help us. And uh, <laughs> with all, the reason I say that is because of all the negativity. We live in such a culture of negativity and we live in such a culture of, of refusal to listen to anyone who disagrees with us. And there's, there's little to no empathy. There's little to no understanding or finding middle ground, which breeds this negative culture that we live in. And I believe that one of the things that the church needs to lead in, that you and I, in every day, not here, right? Anyone can come to church and be like, how are you doing? Blessed and high, highly favored. You know, like, like anyone can come to church and put on the church clothes and the church face. But it's really the every day that, re- that reveals who Christ is. In that I believe that the narrative that the church of today is, needs to be a leader in is, 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 is the narrative and the story of not just positivity, but of hope. And it's not empty hope. It's not empty positivity. It's actually the truest form of that, which is found in, in this person named Jesus that I want to talk about tonight. And it, it, as, 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 as people, as followers of Jesus, Christ is inviting us to be leaders in positivity, but not just like, you know, the self-help positivity. I'm not talking about that, but actually be leaders, number one, in our language, and number in leaders in our actions, and leaders in, in everyday life. And so with this, how I want to start how I want to start this message is actually presenting, presenting really the gospel message. And, and some of you may have been going to church for a long time, and, and, and some of us have heard this a lot, but I, like I said, it's the simple things that, that we need to often get schooled back into. Sometimes we graduate into, into foolishness and arguments and, and, and debates and focusing on wrong things, and sometimes we need to get back to the basics so that we can build upon those and so what I want to share is that, is that in finding the gold, I want us to remember that, that God found the gold in you and I and humanity before anyone was ever positive, right? Like imagine this, imagine a group of people who were, who were roaming the earth, who God created to worship him, revolting and denying him over and over again, a group of people who, who God provided for, the Israelites. He provided manna. This is in, in, in Exodus, in the wilderness. They take them out of Egypt and he provides for them. And, and he, he gives them food. He gives them water. He gives them shelter. He gives them everything. He gives them warmth. He gives them everything they need. And as soon as, as, soon as they get to the place, or as soon as they're on their journey, they go and worship other idols. And they, and they, and they, and they go and they, and they breed and they meet different people groups that God forbid them to meet with. And, and it's the, really the whole story of the Bible is God's people refusing and rejecting God even though he was rich in mercy. Even though he was present in every situation, it's men and women rejecting God over and over. And then it's the story of a few men and a few women who chose to obey God in the face of a culture who rejected God. And we see this as it, as it, as it continues. 
And as we find the goal that it says in Romans 5 it says, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet broken and ugly, Christ died for us. And so in finding the gold, um, some, have, some, have, some have described finding the gold as, as, as finding the best in people. But when you think about how, what God, how God treated us from the beginning, he actually didn't make the best out of us. Like it wasn't like we were good. We were like slightly good. And then God had to come and like clean us up a little bit. It wasn't as if like you were kind of good, but you were bad, in, like good in some areas, bad in some areas. So Jesus came to clean up those bad areas of your life. It, the, the, finding the gold for God is not us. It's not of us having a form of godliness and then God helping us go the rest of the way. You see, finding the gold is God actually seeing something in us that was never there. You see, it, it, the Bible says that we're all sinners. It says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It says while we were yet sinners, it says that no man is good. You are, you're not good. I'm not good. Left to myself, I am an evil person. Now you're bad and my bad may look different, but nonetheless, we left to ourselves without the help of this man named Jesus and his spirit are extremely, extremely broken. In God's form of, of, of healing us is not the form of, of putting you back together. It's making us new. God's form of finding the gold is actually taking your heart, turning it from stone into flesh. His form of, of finding the gold in us is making us a brand new creation. His form of finding the gold is seeing us not for what we've done, but for who he made us to be in the beginning. And this is the message of Christ. This is the message of the gospel. This is the message that men and women of the past have died for. This is the message that, 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 that we eat and breathe. This is the message of the gospel, is that while we were broken and empty, left to our own devices, Christ died for us. See, an analogy that I like to use is, you guys got phones? Like we're talking about like social media. It's like so, so funny. So many like selfies, right? You like, you like selfies. So like sometimes like it used to be you carry a mirror with you. You know what I mean? Like, like you used to carry a mirror and like to check you had stuff on your face. Like you're eating, you had stuff. Now it's like you don't need a mirror. You just got your phone. You take out your camera. You're just like looking at yourself. You can like look, find blemishes on your face and whatnot. So, so if I have like a blemish or like if I'm eating something and, and I got a little, you know, like food in my face, right? Eating pizza, get some pizza sauce in the corner of my mouth. So like, if I notice like dirt or junk on my face, how should I clean that off? Like, should I like use my, my phone? So like, if I see this and I'm like, okay, I got some pizza sauce. Like, <laughs> like, would that make sense? You see, the Bible shows us that we're broken. Romans 3.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so our brokenness can never be fixed by good behavior. It can never be fixed by, by a phone. It can never be fixed, you see, because we got ourselves into our mess. 
And God is the only one who can get us out. And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way to get cleaned up. Jesus is the only way to be fixed, to be healed of our broken state of being. And so as I get into find the gold, I first wanted just to say that God found the gold in us before anything else, before anyone ever was positive, Christ saw mankind and made a remedy for us to be right with him. So as we get into finding the gold, I want to I share two main points. Finding the gold. My first point is, is our words matter. Okay? So everyone say, my words matter. Genesis 1-3 says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Okay, think about this for a minute. God is spirit and he's, he's creating the universe and he just, he says, light. Light happens. So he spoke and it created. And then it says later in Genesis that we are actually made in God's image. So what we find out is that we're made in God's image, which means our words are extremely, extremely important. Our words are extremely important. We're made in God's image. I'm not telling you that you can speak and like, like light's going to show up, but in the same way, like our words are powerful and the world will tell you that sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. But any of you who've gotten ridiculed on Twitter or on Snapchat or somebody speaks negatively towards you, like you, we obviously know that it's not true. So our words matter. More importantly, God's words matter. God's words matter. We are made in his image. God cannot lie. And so with our words mattering, we have to make sure that we're just not being like positive people, like just like speaking just positive positivity that we know, but actually speaking God's words. Because anyone can speak positive, but the life of a believer is not that, that we speak positively, speak positivity, but that we speak the actual words of God found in here. So it's not just you thinking what's positivity, it's you searching in here saying, what does God say? What does he say? In finding the gold, in finding the best in situations, it's not what you think the best in a situation looks like. It's what God thinks about a situation and what he says about a situation. And then we align our words to his words. So God's word matters. And the thing we, the thing we recognize is that every word is a seed. Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue can bring life or death. And those who love it will reap the consequences. Those who love it will reap the consequences. This is what Jesus says in John 6, 63. Jesus said, The spirit gives life, and the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Hebrews 4 says that God's word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, God's words are life. Jesus' words are life. 
And they are alive and active. And we need to, we need to recognize that our words matter in how, in, in the everyday life. So, I just realized I was like yelling for like five straight minutes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to slow down a little bit. So, in, in thinking about our, our words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you Ecclesiastes 10, 12 through 13. It says, The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. And some have used, uh, some have used the verse Proverbs 18.21, there's, there's life and death in the power of the tongue to, to, to bring a message of positivity. And what I want to present is that life, speaking life is not a matter of speaking what you think positivity is or I think positivity is. Speaking life is speaking the word of God. And so there's three areas that, that we can speak the word of God and that we can speak over ourselves, others, and situations is, is we can speak towards ourselves. We can speak towards others and how we speak towards our situations. James 3, 9 through 10 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. See, with a culture of negativity, it's really easy to get like sucked into it, you know? It's really easy to get sucked into it, especially with your family. Especially with our families. Like, we'll be, like, you ever notice that sometimes like, we will be really nice to strangers? Maybe not the car in front of us but we'll really be really nice to strangers. And then when we get home and, and we're with our kids or we're with our, we're with our brothers and sisters or we're with our parents, sometimes like this thing right here, like this thing gets us in a whole lot of trouble. We say things that we don't mean or we, that we do mean, but at the same time, we're up here in worship. We're like, Jesus, we love you. I hate my brother, though. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, we love you. My boss is a jerk. Jesus, we, I'm going to keep going, love you. Donald Trump is a jerk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not bringing politics in this. I'm sorry. That's like the second polit political reference I've made. I'm not going anywhere there anymore. Donald Trump is not a jerk. I was making that as a joke because it's a cultural reference, okay? I respect and honor our president. Um, I'm just, what I'm, what I'm trying to reference is that sometimes we can like be spiritual in a church setting, right? We can be spiritual, but, but it's really not what you say at church that matters. It's what you say at home that matters. 
It's really not what we say when, 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 when spiritual people are around us or we're in our Bible study or we're in our small group or we're, wherever we're at. It's really the everyday that matters. And I want, us, I want us to encourage us that finding the best in people, finding the best in ourselves starts with how we talk about ourselves. So many people, when they make mistakes, they say things like, oh, I'm such an idiot. And we say things like, I'll never be able to, I'll never be able to be there. I'll never be able to do that. I'll, I'm always going to have this sin in my life. I'm always going to have this struggle. I'm always going to be here. And really, our, our, our declarations actually keep us where we are. Instead of speaking what God says about you, that we are sons and daughters, we are children of God, that we are holy and blameless, and that we are loved by God, and that he has chosen us. That's what his word says, and that's what we need to speak. So the second thing, when we, when we talk about finding the gold or finding the best in situations, I think this is something that, that stops us from actually finding the best in situations, is we, need to, we must forgive before we find the gold. So many times we can't see the best in something is, or someone is because we actually are holding unforgiveness. Sometimes the, the thing that stops the flow of seeing things from God's perspective is that we're holding on to grudges, bitterness, and rage, and anger, and hurt that people have caused us in the past. And what I want to share is Ephesians 4.30, which says, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. I shared this story with the, with the, with the youth group. <laughs> I shared this story with the youth group uh, uh, a few Wednesdays ago. It's, it's back, back, back in the day, I was, I was in eighth grade, okay? I was in eighth grade, and I went to Montana. We did like an annual trip to Montana, and, and in Montana, we were hiking and we were going about doing this crazy fun stuff. And we were on, the, we were in the mountains, right? And so we were hiking this mountain and I was in eighth grade. So, you know, you're like, you're racing all your buddies and I'm running to the top and I slipped. And when I slipped, I fell. And when I fell, I fell on a cactus. Right on my left butt cheek. Anyone ever fallen on a cactus? Really? Wow. Feel your pain. And when I fell on the cactus, it hurt. The big, the big prickers hurt, but re really hurt is the little ones. You know what I'm saying? Like the little, little itty bitty ones, the ones that you can't see. And so like every, every step you're like, ooh, ooh, you know? And so, and so how wise would it have been if when I stepped on the cactus, or I'm sorry, when I sat, sat on the cactus, if I would have picked up the cactus and held it tightly and started yelling at the cactus. What if I started to try to squeeze it out and, and, uh, and try to crush the cactus? That, like, that's stupid. Because 
It hurt you once. Why would, you, why would I want it to let me hurt me again? And that's really the, the that's what happens when unforg- with unforgiveness in our lives. Is someone hurts us, offends us, and we, instead of just allowing it to hurt us once, we actually squeeze the cactus and we hold the cactus and we revisit that cactus on a daily, weekly, monthly, however long basis. And even for 35, five years, however many years down the line, we realize we're still holding on to this cactus that hurt us so much so long ago. And it begs the question, why would we ever hold on to something that is hurting us? Why would we ever, why? See, unforgiveness is, it's been said, is poison. It's like you drinking poison and hoping it kills someone else. Unforgiveness is, is, is something that the Bible is very serious about. It's very serious about. In Matthew 18, I'm going to read a pretty long passage. I want you to, 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 to follow along with me. It's Matthew 18, 21 through 35. It says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? So Peter's asking the question that, that we often ask each other, which is, how many times am I going to have to endure pain and still forgive the other person? How many times are we going to let him continue in what they're doing to hurt me? How long is this going to happen until I'm just going to retaliate and slop them? How long do we have to let this happen? Seven times, Jesus? Jesus says, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And Jesus is not like saying, it's not like 77 is like the magic number that you should be counting. It's actually a number that, that portrays infin, infinite number of times. Now, if, if, if someone is listening to this and you're in a situation that is, that is physically abusive or you are unsafe, I am not telling anyone to stay in an unsafe situation. Get out of an unsafe situation. I'm talking about holding on to a hurt or pain that someone has caused us. 77 times. 77 times. Do you know that most often in, in today in our world, it's not, that, it's not that somebody, you have to forgive someone for doing 77 different things. It's more of the fact that this keeps coming up. Right? Your mom or your dad left you. Maybe a sibling hurt you. Maybe a friend betrayed you. Maybe something happened in your life and it's not that they keep doing it, but it keeps coming up. So it's not a matter of a continual forgiveness of the same thing. It's more of a forgiveness that we have to continue to do because forgiveness latches itself onto us. Jesus continues. He says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. This is equivalent to a lot of money. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had 
and payment to be made. So a man had a debt and he could not pay it. So the king ordered him and his whole family. Imagine how many of us have families. He says, now you, because you cannot pay your debt, you are going to be sold into slavery. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. That's amazing. He had pity, I forgive you. But when that servant came, or when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what, he had, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt." so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Forgiveness is a huge deal. What this story shows us is that the servant who was forgiven a large debt did not understand or appreciate what it, what the gift that was actually given to him. And as, as, as followers of Jesus, unforgiveness is idolatry. Unforgiveness, when we hold what someone has done to us against them, we are saying we are an are a adequate judge to that person's actions. And God is the only judge. And in the word of God, Jesus is very clear that we, an accurate reflection of worship to God is that when others do wrong against us, we forgive them. Jesus also says that when someone does you wrong, to pray for them and to bless them. And oftentimes, it's easy to find the gold in people that we like, really hard to find the best and speak highly of people that we don't like. And I want to challenge us as followers of Jesus, I want to challenge myself 
to not look at the surface, to not look at what, what, what the rest of the world is looking at, but to say, God, you know what? I am the worst. I was self-righteous. I was broken. I was lost in my sin. I was on my way to hell. I was blinded. I was an enemy of God. I was so broken and lost, God. I was deserving of eternal punishment. I, there is nothing that was good in me that I deserve your forgiveness. But while I was a sinner, you died for me. And when we stay in that posture of humility and others wrong us, our response is not a matter of umphing it and, oh, we have to forgive. It's a matter of, I've been forgiven much. How can I not forgive others? It's saying this, this, this pain is not mine to carry. I'm going to forgive and let go of that person and allow God to be the judge of that situation. I'm going to allow God to be the judge of that situation. So I want to ask you some questions as, as we close here. Mainly just around this idea of, of forgiveness. Is there anyone in your life that you need to forgive? Are you holding on to a, to a painful situation or an action? It doesn't matter how long, it could be 35 years. Are, are you holding on to anything that you need to let go of tonight? And if that's the case, the next question which is appropriate to ask is, will you consider right now how much God has forgiven you? Will you consider and reflect on the price that God and Jesus paid in order for your sin and your mistakes and your brokenness to be saved and to be forgiven? Will you for a moment consider that when Jesus was on the cross, the Bible says that your sin was the thing that put him there? Will you consider that you yourself are still broken and in need of grace? The next question, <laughs> this is the best one. Will you make a decision to forgive them? Maybe right now in your heart, maybe this is a, a thought and a decision you need to make tonight when you're alone with God or, or in the car, will you make a decision to forgive that person? You see, because I've heard it so many times, I just don't feel like I've forgiven them. Listen, forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision. Forgiveness is a decision. So will you make the decision to forgive that person? In referring back to the power of your words, if you will speak it out loud, it has more authority and more power. If we'll speak the forgiveness, it actually does more because it's confession of your mouth, of our mouths. And the last question, will you forgive them when the feeling comes back? Because it will. Because you'll see that person at a family reunion and you get this like, 
You'll see him in church. Maybe they're in the room. <laughs> you'll see him in church and you'll be like, you know, you'll be around. You know, like the big posts out in the ground floor lobby. You'll be like, maybe if I time this perfectly, I will not make eye contact with them. I've never done, I mean, I've never done that. I mean. <laughs> when you see them and when you pray and, have, and you're having your time with God, will we bless them and their family? Will we, will we decide who we need to forgive? Will we recognize how much we need forgiveness and how much we've actually received? Will we make the decision to forgive? Will we forgive when the feeling comes back? And will we bless them in our prayer? If we can do that, I believe that it, that starts the journey of finding the best in others, in ourselves, in our situations, and in our world. And I believe it is the, is the true reflection of Christ on earth. Will you bow your heads with me? The greatest, the greatest message ever delivered was that mankind and humanity did not have, do not have to pay for their mistakes and their sins. The greatest message ever delivered is that there was a man named Jesus who came to take away the sin of the world. The greatest message ever was that mankind could stop striving and working and clawing their way to being perfect and to being or striving for peace. The greatest message is that a man named Jesus came to be a substitute for us to take our place in what we deserve, which is hell. And the message is that anyone who calls on his name will be saved. The message is that forgiveness is available for anyone who will recognize and believe in this man named Jesus and what he did on the cross and in his resurrection. And if you're here tonight and you're not right with God, if you're here tonight and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, you've never made a decision or you've never considered what would happen at the end of your life, if you've never made that decision, the, the invitation is available right now to receive the offer of forgiveness which is found in the man named Jesus. So if that's you and you want to make that decision to receive Jesus 
as your savior, the person who substitute, the substitute for your sin and to receive him as Lord and master. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand on the count of three and I wanna pray with you. One, two, three. If that's you, just raise your hand, amazing. I see that hand. Anyone else? Will everyone, will everyone just uh, pray with me as we, as we close this out, close this out. Say, Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to live a perfect life go to the cross to carry my sin and raise from the dead so that I could be free from its penalty. Today, I receive your spirit and your love and I choose from this day forward to follow Jesus and it's in his name we pray, amen. Give it up for them, come on.